0: I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. In John chapter eight, there are some teachings that I want to unravel over the next few Sundays. It is in John eight where Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then it is also in John 8 where he said those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. In the beginning of John 8, it opens with a mob wanting to stone a prostitute. At the end of John 8, it closes with the same mob wanting to stone Jesus. I'm going to deal with the first part of it today, and over this month, I'm going to work my way through to the end of John 8, if you'd like to get ahead of me. If you would just read, when you're at home, John 8 in its entirety. Today, I'd like to start with one of the most familiar stories in the New Testament, of John chapter 8. Now, the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. Rather, translators added the chapter numbers and verse numbers to help them translate from language to language. So in coming from Greek, what the New Testament was written in, and Jesus spoke in Aramaic, translating that to English, they felt it necessary to put a system of numbers in place. So John chapter eight, verse one is actually to be connected with John 7 and verse 53. So in order to read it properly, I need to start at 7.53 and then continue to read to what is 8 and 1 and a few following. It says, And everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning... He came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her down in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear them. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the eldest or oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, Lord. Jesus said to her, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I'll stop there. In John chapter 8, there are several movements that I want us to notice over these weeks. The first one has to do with accusation. Can you say, please, accusation? The second is authentication. Would you say that? then affirmation, and then appreciation. I want to start today talking with you about accusations. A lot has been said in the news lately with the confirmation on yesterday of Judge Kavanaugh and the rocky proceedings before that vote was taken in the Senate. We started off the month with the accusation, the trial and conviction of Bill Cosby. Everywhere we turn today, there are accusations. And what we see here is accusation. But after this accusation, Jesus talks about the truth making you free, the Son setting you free. And in this story, historical event, We see freedom come to this woman. I want to talk to you about accusation, the danger of accusation, the design of accusation, and then what God does with accusation. The story opens up in chapter 7, verse 53. Because just before verse 53, the enemies of Jesus tried to trap him by getting him in a position where they could arrest him and hopefully kill him. But they failed. When they failed, the Bible said in verse 53, all of them went to their own house. But then 8 and 1 said, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. His enemies failed, but when people are against you, you cannot convert them. We waste a lot of time trying to make our enemies like us. When people have an end for you, they are not available to have their minds turned. We see that here with them. They went to their own homes to get up another plot to ensnare him to trap him. That's why it says in verse 2 of John 8, early in the morning they brought this woman that they would caught in adultery. Now how could they catch the woman in adultery between the time they went home and early in the morning? Somebody had to be peeping in somebody's window. Somebody had to be moving around peeping and hiding, slipping and sliding under the cover of darkness. Somebody had to have it in their minds that we need to publicly humiliate Jesus. And so they accused her in an effort to accuse him. They really wanted him. But in order to get to him, they had to use her. The record does not tell us who she is or where she's from or how they found her. But it is reasonable to assume that they knew where to look. Let me try that again. They had to have gone to a house or a neighborhood where that type of activity had been established. They had to have known where to go because they brought her early in the morning which means they caught her either overnight or they got up with that on their mind at sunrise. Well, when people are plotting evil, when people have an agenda, when people have a political agenda, they will do anything necessary to bring you down. They are what Jesus called accusers. Jesus said to her at the end of this whole charade, Woman, where are your accusers? Now the Bible teaches in Revelation that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He has many names in the Bible. He's called the wicked one. He's called the thief. He's called Satan. He's called Lucifer, and he is called the accuser of the brethren. That accusation is something that comes from an evil heart. Now understand, when we talk about some wrong that was done, that's not the same as an accusation. Although there is a part of it that is extremely similar if you say that I did something wrong, that I did wrong, you have pointed out some information. But when you use the term accuse, it means that there's more going on than what I did. There's some agenda that we have in mind. According to them, they caught this woman in what they called adultery. Now, it's interesting you can't commit adultery by yourself. If they caught one, they have to have caught at least one more. But where is the other? Where is the other person? Was it a man? Was it a woman? Was it more than one? Where are they? Or is it possible that the accusers themselves was the other person. Maybe they knew this girl from the red light district. Maybe they knew her from down around the club. Maybe they knew her from over at the strip club. Maybe they knew her from somewhere in town. Maybe they knew her because they had patronized her themselves. But it's a shame when people want to point out the wrong in others And can't see the wrong in themselves. See, what makes Jesus just is he saw not only her wrong, but their greater wrong. Yes, she committed adultery and that was wrong, but they were accusing her publicly and that was worse. I wish I had a witness here. Isn't it interesting that we like to categorize sin by our own individual standards? Let some folk tell it they're just as holy and wonderful and sanctified and right with God, but they're talking about in areas where other folk are not so holy. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that and I'm not a part of this. I've never tried drugs. I've never had a drink. I've never run around. I've never done anything. Now, if you could go to heaven for being right, you would be all right. But ain't nobody going to heaven because you're right. We're all going to heaven because of the grace of God. No matter who you are, how old you are, how young you are, how righteous you've been or unrighteous you've been, you won't get to heaven except but for the grace of God. So the Bible said by grace we are saved. By grace, through faith. We are saved, not of our own goodness, said. because if your goodness could do it, we'd stand around and brag about it. I could pass this microphone, and people would line up and list what they ain't never done. But you don't get to heaven by what you ain't done. You get to heaven by what you do. And what you have to do is believe on the name of Jesus Christ. It's not by what you do with overt activity. It's by giving your heart to God. And once a man or woman gives his heart to God, the Spirit of God will help you clean your life up. Hey, they had to go somewhere dirty to find this girl. But you can't go to the dirty den and find some woman of irrepute without getting some dirt on you. I wish I had a witness because we've got this thing going on where we look at certain parts of society as being of lesser value than other parts. And so some folk who got out of the ghetto, they look back on it and frown on it. Can't stand the drive through it. I wish I had. I was preaching a revival in a certain city. This was a brand new church. The church Pastors, male and female, the man was an engineer, the woman was a professor, had a doctorate degree. When I got to town, I said to them, well, you're a new church and I'm your covering, your bishop. I said, we need to go and meet the mayor. Will you get me an appointment? We went to the mayor of that city. I introduced them. I said, I'm their bishop and we're here in your city. They've just started a new church. And we want to know what can we do to work with the city. What projects do you have available in their part of town? And we had a great meeting. Well, the next day I said, now let's go through the neighborhood and find and meet some of the folk you're going to be inviting to church. Well, we turned up in the deep hood. I wish I had some help. And the woman sitting in the back seat began to shout out, oh, no, get me out of here. I said, what's the matter, pastor? She said, oh, I'm scared to ride through here. Oh, I don't come over here for nothing. I said, now you call, now this is what I said. You're going to be a pastor and you're afraid of the people you got to reach out to? You don't want to be around folk that don't look like you, talk like you, walk like you, smell like you. You know, you think you're something because you got a Ph.D.? The truth is, I don't care how wealthy you are, we all wear Walmart underwear. I've seen people with $2,000 suits on, but they bought their socks at Family Dollar. I wish I had a witness here. Under the surface, we all need God. We all have a need for the blood. We all have a need for the name of Jesus. We all have a need for the grace of God. And you can't call yourself better than other people if you expect to do a work for God. And here were the Pharisees who were unfair, you see. And the Sadducees who were indeed sad, you see. And here they were, the highest rank in church, dragging some girl for a project. You ever had anybody try to treat you like a project? Huh? Maybe you're dating somebody and, you know, they're going to change your wardrobe, change your hair a little bit, you know. You're a project for them. They don't love you. You think because they're buying you gifts, they love you. They're trying to change you a little bit, you know. You're good looking, but you want they want you at a different place. I don't have anybody here. Listen, they were using this girl as a project. And churches do that. Sometimes churches say they're feeding the hungry, but they only do it for the TV camera. They said we're gonna have a big outdoor day and we're gonna be a blessing to the community, but they do it in order to use for advertising. What we do for people needs to be done with the kind of care that honors the person and not uses them for a public demonstration. Jesus said, when you give alms, don't stand around bragging on what you did. Alms is money you give to help somebody. He said, when you're helping somebody, keep your mouth closed. He said, and your father who sees it in secret will reward you in public. But if you give to somebody and brag on what you did, that's the only reward you're going to get. Can you imagine? Going into some brothel, is that a fancy word? Is that a fancy word, brothel? Uh, what's a better word then? Huh? Anybody know what the brothel is? Come on, y'all. I'm trying not to say a whole house. Now, y'all, come on, help me now. Right? <laughs> Did I say that? I said, sometime I, you know anyway. They had to go find this chick. I mean, this is nothing that they just saw. They had to they had to investigate and they drug her to Jesus. That's how dedicated accusers are. They drug her in and they said, Now, we were talking about the Bible yesterday. Oh, man, you always get folk going when you talk about the Bible. We were talking about the Bible yesterday. And Moses said in the Old Testament that a woman that did what this woman does should be stoned. Now, I know I got to translate that for some of y'all that think stone means getting high. It don't mean we're going to get her high, and we don't mean we're going to get high with her. What they would do is put a person down against something like a huge rock or building, and they would take stones and throw the stones until the person was dead. It was a mob action that the Roman government allowed them to do because you could not prove who threw the fatal stone. So you got a group of people standing up throwing big rocks, And hitting a person until she's dead. That's what they wanted to do. And Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground. What is he writing? I've heard people over the years speculate on what he wrote. Some said he was probably writing the Ten Commandments down there. Others said he might have been writing a prayer. Then some said he stooped down low to show them how low down they were. But he stooped down, and the Bible said he did it as if he did not hear them. He teaches us how to handle gossip. You know, there are some folk who say, well, pastor, I, I didn't gossip. I just listened. Well, listen is the same as running your mouth. A gossiper has to have an audience whether it's an audience of one or 100, and those who receive the gossip are just as guilty as those who spread the gossip. You cannot say you're innocent because you just sit there in the break room and listen to them talk about somebody else. Or you sit in the car and somebody put the phone on speaker so you could hear what somebody was saying about somebody else. Or somebody sent you a text message and you forwarded it on. You cannot say you're innocent. If you want to live well, you want to be victorious, you want to be happy, close your ears to the gossip and mess of other people. Don't give the accuser an audience. I wish I had a little more energy coming my way because an accuser can't accuse unless somebody gives a listening ear. And if they give a listening ear, the accuser always spices up the story a little bit more. I wish I had a witness. The accuser always adds a little bit more to it to make it juicier. And then they'll say they got it from a reliable source. Well, what kind of source do you, is it reliable or liable? How many marriages have been destroyed because of accusers? How many churches have been torn apart and preachers run off because of accusers? How many children have had to grow up in poverty with a struggling mother trying to make sure that those children are taken care of because of accusers? The truth is we have to learn to pray for one another. Let me try that again. If I hear something bad on you, rather than put it out, I need to pray for you. I need to pray that God will help you. God will bless you. God will strengthen you. It doesn't make me a better person than you are because I'm throwing shade on your name. So they accused her. But how did Jesus handle it? He ignored them. Can y'all say that? He what? Uh-uh. Say it better than that. He what? See, I know why we don't want to ignore people is because we don't want the people to think that we we don't listen to them. You know, too many of us are controlled by what others think. I didn't want to offend her. I just let her talk it on out and get on out. But the truth is, ignore them. It's what Jesus does. But you know what they did? They kept on talking. According to the verses we read, it said that they kept on, it said, so when they continued asking him, what should should we do? What should we do? Now, what are they after? They want to know if Moses says she should be stoned, but you've been talking about turn the other cheek. Walk the second mile. Love everybody. Pray for everybody. What do you want to do about this? She broke the law. If he said, stone her, they could say, see, he's a hypocrite. He's been talking about forgiving folk, but now he said, we got to stone her. If he said, forgive her, they would say, see, He's breaking the law of Moses. He is not a righteous man. Because when people get against you, you can do no right in their sight. Honey, ain't no need of you trying to pay them back. Ain't no need of you trying to find out some dirt on them that you can put out in retaliation. Stay focused on what you're doing. And the Bible said he just stooped back down and started writing again finally, Deacon Jackson, he stood up because they kept on after him, kept on after him, kept on after him and and finally Minister Lewis, he stood up. Now, this is why he went to the Mount of Olives, verse one. See, the enemies went home to plot. Jesus went to the mountain to pray. I wish some, li- listen, what prayer will do is sharpen you. It'll sharpen your wisdom. It'll sharpen your thinking. It'll sharpen your mind. It'll sharpen your discernment. Check this out. Listen at how smart he is because he went to pray. They said, Moses says you ought to be stoned. What do you say? I'm going to paraphrase it for y'all. He stood up and said, That's right. She should be stoned. So let him who has no sin cast the first stone. And then the rest of us will join in. Isn't that smart? He didn't say don't stone her. He said stone her if you qualify. God help me today. He says stone her if you are qualified to throw the stone. Whoever in this crowd ain't done nothing wrong. Because if you living in a glass house oh, I, I wanted to judge somebody one day and then I thought about it. I said oh, I'm living in a I'm living in a glass house. See, you mess around living in a glass house, you throw a stone, you might break your own window. What, what has the church done to drive so many people in the opposite direction of Christ? We turn the church into a courthouse rather than a house of prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And the Bible said when he said that, it said, then came in the crippled and the blind to be healed by him. The truth is, brothers and sisters, we have to preach the truth and realize that we are the first that have to get in line for repentance. Oh, somebody said once, a friend of mine was sending some people out to witness on a Saturday morning, knock on doors, talk to people about Jesus. And one of the very fine missionary sisters said, Well, before we go, Pastor, is it all right if we stop down at the dollar store and get a a couple of dresses, you know, because some of these women, we're going to try to get them to come to church tomorrow, but we don't want them dressed like no hoochie mama, tempting our men. Let me tell y'all something. If the man get tempted, it ain't the hoochie mama's fault. The man gets tempted because temptation is in him. I mean, if temptation is in him, she can put on a choir robe. He'll still be looking like, mm, mm, mm. What have we done to make people believe that they have to pass before us in order to please God? When I go to church, I'm looking for folk in the church dressed like folk in the street because the church ought to be a gathering of the community where that church is located. I'm looking for somebody in blue jeans, somebody in a t-shirt, somebody with sagging pants pulling up. wish i had a witness i'm looking for tattoos and ear piercing and nose piercing and tongue piercing i'm looking for the church folk to look like the people outside the building because jesus said and i if i be lifted up from the earth i'll draw All men, not all clean men, not all good smelling men, not all dressed up men, not all impressive men. I'll draw all men. And any time you read a flyer from a church and they put on it dress code, church attire, That's a church I don't want to go to. What is church attire? This is church attire? What we wear on First Sunday, that church attire? I thought we were dressed on First Sundays in uniform because that's a part of our disciplines. Because everywhere you go, there's some form of discipline. You work on a job, they give you a uniform. You join the military, they give you a uniform. You go to prison. So ain't nothing wrong with us on the first Sunday looking alike. But listen, when the doors of the house of God are open, everybody ought to feel welcome. The one that got stoned yesterday, and I'm not talking about throwing rocks at him. The one that got stoned yesterday ought to feel welcome if they come in here today. The one that got drunk last night and slept under the bridge ought to feel welcome if they come in here today. You ought to hug them when you fellowship with them bigger than you hug the man smelling of aftershade. Church needs to stop hypocrite. We need to stop honoring certain folk and dissing other folk. We need to stop trying to court certain people so they'll join our church and shun other folk if they don't come along. The truth is, everybody ought to be equally welcome. Your drug addict grandson, your daughter, That's had so many problems and so many relationships. Your fast granddaughter. That at 14 you can't control her behavior. When she comes here she ought to feel God's love. We're in the fish catching business. Not the fish cleaning business. We're supposed to catch them, let the Holy Ghost do the cleaning. Because if they sit under the word Sunday after Sunday, whatever's wrong in your life, the Lord is going to start showing you where you need to change. But nobody changes until they get ready. You didn't hear that? I'm going to take my son to rehab. Honey, your son 32 years old. You can't take him to rehab. He got to go to rehab. I was—we nobody changes until they get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm through when I tell you this. There was a man who had a hound dog down in the country, and that hound dog would just cry. You know how hound dogs can make those long sounds, Ooh. sitting on the front porch every day. Ooh. Finally, a man was visiting next door. He got tired of that hound dog. He went over and asked the man, said, sir, your dog don't sound too well. He said, no, he's hurting. He said, he's hurting. He said, that's why he's making that sound. He said, yeah. He said, well, why don't you carry him to the vet? He said, well, I ain't got to carry him to the vet. He's not hurting because he's sick. He's hurting because he's sitting on a nail. He said, Well, aren't you gonna do something about it? He said, Ain't no need to do nothing about it, because every day he sits on that nail. He said, But why does he, when, when do you think he's gonna stop sitting on the nail? He said, When it hurts bad enough. <laughs> you know when your grandchild gonna get straightened out? When it hurts bad enough. You know when your little brother gonna get straightened out? When it hurts bad enough. But at the house of God, that's where they learned that there's a better way. That's why you got John chapter 8. You got this woman. They drug her. They caught her. They wanted to humiliate her. We're good, clean, holy folk. We caught a dirty girl. Jesus said, all right, I'm through, y'all. He that's without sin, be first that was smart but you know why I was really showing up smart he was the only one there without sin <laughs> he was the only one there that day qualified to throw the first stone and the bible said now somebody explain this to me I've been struggling over this my whole life it said they all walked away from the oldest to the youngest. I mean, why would John even say that part? Why didn't he just say they all walked away? Does he, is he implying that the older folk had more sin than the younger folk? I ain't going to say nothing. I'll let you answer that. Or was he implying that the older folk were wiser and knew they couldn't do nothing about it, but the younger folk were still hanging on to a hope. Right. Had the older dudes been with the girl? And when he was writing on the ground, he was writing their names and the date that they were there. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> what? dismissed church that day. (laughs) And he looked around and he said, woman, where are your accusers? Did anybody condemn you? She said, no, Lord. He said, look in my eyes. Now you take this seriously. And you go and sin no more. Now, he didn't just release her now. Hold up. He didn't just release her. He said, You know, you could have been dead right now because they had the book on you. But God spared your life. Is there anybody here that God has spared your life and that motivated you to do better? Anybody ever been so drunk, you didn't even know you were still alive. You passed out in the middle of nowhere in your car on the side of the road. But look at you now, God spared your life. Anybody ever been so sick, it looked like every breath was your last breath. You thought you were on your deathbed, but God spared your life is there anybody here that's been down so low you had to reach up to touch the bottom your body was aching in pain your family left you nobody was there to help you all your bills were passed through and it looked like you were going to jail but God Baby, you don't know how to serve God until you've been in trouble and he got you out. You wonder what some folk are shouting about? Go back in their history and you'll find out. There was a day they thought they wouldn't make it. There was a season when everything was dried up. There was a time when they had nothing to work with. But God, can anybody say but God? Honey, you were supposed to be dead. They caught you in adultery. They brought you to be stoned. But God stepped in and said, give her another chance. Y'all get ready to stand up. I'm through, but I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something. Somebody said, God will give you a second chance. I know that's not true. Because I messed up the second chance years ago. God will give you another chance. I messed up the first chance. And I messed up the second chance. And I messed up the third chance. And I messed up the fourth chance. And I messed up again and again. But God won't He give you favor? Won't He open doors? That have been closed in your face. Won't He make your accusers into liars? Won't He make your haters turn around and bless you? Won't He deliver you from the snare of the enemy? Can anybody say Yes? Y'all stand up now. That's the only way I'm gonna stop. If you don't stop, I'll go another 30 minutes. Because I done got into my testimony now. And when I start talking, you can't stop me. Cause I've been sick. Anybody been sick? I've been broke. Anybody ever been broke? I've been down and out. Anybody been down and out? Can you testify and say God did it? When this little girl, when this little girl went home, she told her mama, God did it. She told Uncle Bubba, God did it. She told her granddaddy, she said, Papa, God did it. God is the one that set me free. God is the one that gave me his mercy. He's great in his faithfulness. No wonder the Bible said yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death you are with me. Your rod and your staff protect me. And then it says surely That's why he said you go and you sin no more. Go in goodness and go in mercy. It said goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. (laughs) Ah <laughs> you, but I'm a product of his goodness. I'm a product of his mercy. I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every groan. If my accusers had had their way, I wouldn't be here today, but I want to thank God. Come on, let's pray.